Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is Sunday, July 16th. We're halfway through the month and more than halfway through the year. It is going by really quick. we got a great show for everybody tonight. Richie Faulkner of Judas Priest. He's got a brand new band called Elegant Weapons. We're going to be talking to him all about that. I know he's supposed to have Norman Skinner on tonight, but Forbidden had a surprise show to do, so he couldn't make it. They're filling in. Kate French, formerly of Chastain and of Vainglory these days. So we'll be talking to Kate in the second half of the show. You have to forgive me. I came down with a summertime uh, cold flu type thing, and I'm all hoarse and congested. So we're going to do the best we can to get through today's show. I'll probably do as little talking as possible to save it for the interviews. But right there, pretty made, future world. I remember it was sometime in the middle of 1983, walking into Zigzag Records, my local record shop in Brooklyn, New York, and seeing what I was going to buy with my $5 that I made delivering newspapers that weekend. I look up on the wall, and there's an album called Pretty Maids, and it's a girl straddling a guitar, a flying favorite, with a garter belt on and white pantyhose. I said, that's the record. That's what I'm buying. And I became a Pretty Maid fan after that. And the next three records, which was great albums, Red Hot and Heavy in 84 and 1987, there was a big gap in between that record and the next one when Future World came out, which we just played right now. Uh, after that, <clears throat> excuse me, the band kind of changed, in my opinion, when Jump the Gun came out in 90. The band tried to do a Def Leppard thing. They went from being that real great hard rock, heavy metal band early on. They're trying to become more commercial. And it just didn't work out for them. And they've put out some, like, you know, hit or miss records over the years. Ronnie Atkins, great guy. I've had him on the show many times. He has been battling stage four cancer now since 2019. Countless surgeries. He's still kicking. Hopefully he'll kick it for as long as possible. He's a really super nice guy, so the best of luck with them. And maybe we'll get some new music if he's up to it. We'll see what happens. All right. I'm going to keep the music flowing here today because I, mean, I don't want to talk that much, but Attack, a brand new record coming next year, 2024. We'll go back to that first record. Bob Mitchell, the original singer of Attacker, uh, he's going to be releasing an album. He retired from music. You know, Bob had a stroke, and he's you know kind of packing it in on the live front. But he's going to be releasing an album that features a lot of his stuff that wasn't released over the years. Demo tapes, bands that had albums that were released and you couldn't find anymore. So I'm really looking forward to that record. When it comes out, I'll see if Bob is up for one final interview with us, and we'll get him back on the show. But here you go, attacker, slaves, blade. <laughs>
Cyber kicked it off with a little attacker and Slayer's Blade Killer in the name of the law. And right there, Clovenhoof, after forever. You have to forgive me. I'm all horse today. I'm trying to get rid of this. I'm sucking on some lozenges here. Clovenhoof, the last three records they put out, Who Mourns the Morning Star, Age of Steel, and Time Assassin, to me were three of the best albums the band has put out since the opening ritual and the debut album from 1984. I, it killed me that the band kind of fell apart over one show. I mean, it might have been more than that, but I mean, George Cole was doing an amazing job on vocals. Three of the best records. I wish it didn't happen, but it did. Uh, you never know what happens in the future. They might get it back together again. I doubt it. Uh, Harry Harry Conklin is going to be singing on the next Cloverhoof record, but he's not officially the singer of the band. Uh, when we had Harry on a few weeks ago, I had asked him. He says, well, he hasn't really been asked to sing for the band, but if he was, he would do it. So who knows what's going to happen over there. Uh, you have to forgive me. Like I said, I, I came down like a summer flu or cold, and I just can't shake it. All right, how about we do our demolition segment? Before that, I saw that the the drummer for Testament, whose name I can't even remember because he probably won't be in the bin very long, said, he's here for good. He's not going anywhere. He's the Testament for good. That was his uh, his quote in Blabbermouth this week. And you know who also said that? The nine other drummers that came before you. There were nine drummers in Testament. Not only, not only were there nine drummers in Testament, seven of them did multiple stints within the band. I mean, you have Paul Bolstaff. He was with the band four times. Uh, Clemente, uh, Louis Clemente was with them twice, John Tempesta twice, Det was with them three times, Gene Hoglin twice, Dave Lombardo twice, so I'm pretty sure this time next year, Slayer's going to be looking for, I mean, uh, Tesla's going to be looking for a new drummer, so don't count yourself as being a permanent member of that band, that's all I can say. Alright, here's our demolition segment, this is a band called Fast Hammer. I have absolutely no info on this band. I just know that they're from the USA. They put out like a seven-song demo tape in 1983. I dug this up out of my collection a few years ago, transferred the cassette to, you know, MP3. And I never did anything with it. I don't think I've even played it on the show. I saw that somebody uploaded it to Metal Archives, like all the info on there. They just took it from a site I posted it on. And most of that info was wrong anyway. But that's the story of Metal Archives. Half the info on there was wrong to begin with. But uh, like I said, I started being from the USA. I don't know much about the band. The demo is kind of crappy quality. You know, that's just the way they were back then. But uh, let me see what I can get on here. This is probably one of the better sounding songs on the record. It's called Mark My Words.
All right, there you go, Fast Hammer. I'll tell you what, Richie Faulkner from Judas Priest is going to be calling in in a few minutes. Uh, he's got a new side hustle going called Elegant Weapons. They put out a great record, uh, Horns for a Halo. Uh, hopefully, when you know Judas Priest's time is done in the sun, he'll keep this thing going over here. We'll talk to him all about that in a few minutes. Let's get on a brand new song off that record. Here's Do or Die. <laughs> Now 
coming out, I was like, you know, this can go anyway. I mean, it could be another Judas Priest. It can go back to the old days with Deeds and Voodoo Six. And you kind of combined your whole career, I think, into this one album. Well, I never knew what it was going to be like either, to be honest with you. When you get into the studio with a group of songs uh, and you just, you know, you start putting stuff down, you never quite know what it's going to turn out like, you know. Um that goes with any album, but I, I knew I wanted it to have its own sound, its own character. I wanted it to not be a priest record. Um, I wanted it to stand on its own two legs, you know, and uh, I think it did that. I think uh, it came from the heart. Uh, you know, I, I wrote uh, in the same way as I normally do, but it's me on my own. It's not with Tipton or, or Rob. It's just me on my own. So I think it went off a, a different branch of the tree, you know, so uh, I think that's that's what I've tried to do and I think uh, it, it came out as a strong album so I'm, I'm really happy with it uh, it's definitely I think one of the best that came out this year I mean you know it's metal but yet it's different it's hard to explain it's like you took everything and threw it in a blender and came up with this sound well again it's, it's uh, I've always worn my influences on my sleeve you know both as a guitar player and a songwriter you know uh, you know I, you know I'm into Sabbath and Metallica and Priest Maiden and I, I think all those influences are obvious in the music you know but hopefully you as you said you throw those things into a blender you can hear where they come from the DNA of those bands but hopefully you come out with something original uh, you know after all that so that's that's what I can help, hope for really. you just got to put all your influences out there and anything else will really that's who I am as a, as a songwriter this is the music I like to hear the music I like to play um, and that's what's the most important thing really true you know on the record Ronnie I mean what an amazing vocalist I mean he was so underrated until, you know, he hooked up with Richie and did the rainbow thing, and he finally got the attention, I think, that he deserved after that. Rex Brown on bass, I mean, Scott on drums, I don't know what more you can say about Scott. They said it's a supergroup, and when I hear that, I'm like, oh my God, every time they say supergroup, I feel like people expect more than they should, and it kind of takes away from what the band's really doing. Do you worry about being labeled a supergroup? Not really. I mean, it's something that people have called it, but something that didn't even cross my mind until the album came out, really. I'm just very fortunate to have good friends of mine that, you know, in in, in, my, in their case, 
they're legends, you know, they're fantastic musicians, they're just friends of mine, and I could pick up the phone and ask them to be on the record, uh, and that's what it is, really. Um, I didn't put something together because they're in those bands, I just put something together with them in it, because they're friends of mine, and they're great players, and that, that's it, really. Uh, the supergroup thing came from other people, but it's, it's more of a, a long-term thing than just a supergroup for me, it's a band, and a band that's moving forward. Obviously, Rex is doing Pantera, Scott's still in Priest, but, um, you know, it's the same with the, with the people that are in the band now. They, they, they're the best people that are there because they're the best people for the job, you know? True. Was there an attempt to actually have the live lineup include Rex and Scott in there, or was that something that you just wanted to shy away from to keep it as it was for the studio recordings? Well, initially, when I was recording the album, no one knew if we were going to go out again. You know, it was during the time of the pandemic. Um, no one knew if live gigs were coming back again or when they would be coming back again. So the the priority was recording the record. So I got those guys in to do the record. And then when it transpired that we were going back out on the road again, obviously, as I said, you know, Rex is doing Pantera, Scott's doing other things. So I had to put something together which enabled me to take the band out onto the live stage. So, again, I've got Davey Rimmer from Uriah Heap, who's a good friend of mine, Christopher Williams from Accept. Uh, again, just great friends and fantastic players from other bands. Uh, you just do what you've got to do to move the band forward. So that's what I did, really. True. I mean, when you look at your whole career, I mean, going back to Deeds and Voodoo 6 and, you know, and Ace Mafia and playing with Lauren Harris and her band, some people say you were kind of blessed in a way because you had talented musicians throughout your whole career you played with. You're an amazing guitar player. You hooked up with Steve Harris. That led to, you know, being with Lauren Harris, then Judas Priest. Is being in the music business today a little bit of luck and a little bit of talent or more of one than the other? I think it always has been. I mean, you know, you, you've got to... Uh, there's some degree of, of luck, some people would call it, but I think you make your own luck. You know, sometimes you've got to... Uh, you know, I didn't pull up outside Glenn Tipton's house with a flat tire and ask, you know what I mean? That's, that, that would be completely, you know, and they needed a guitar player. That would be luck. But, you know, um, I'd been in a few bands at the time. I was in a situation where I was being considered for the position in Judas Priest, and even that was an honor. You know, you work hard. You, you make sure that you're on top of your game so that maybe if an opportunity like that crosses your path, you might be ready for it and uh, the stars aligned and, I've always just tried to do my best and play my best and be a good guy and be there on time and have good gear and just be the best you can be. You know, you, I don't think you ever think that an opportunity like that is going to present itself, but I think you aspire to be that good in case it does. You know, I think that's the drive and that's the drive I've always had. So uh, when that phone rang and, uh, you know, they, they asked me to come down, I felt like I was ready for at least the opportunity, you know. So uh, here we are talking... 12 years later, so it, it seemed to be the right approach. Absolutely, and that was supposed to be a farewell tour back then, too, if I remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, uh, that's what we all thought, and uh, luckily, uh, as I said, we're still here putting out new music, still touring the world 12 years later, and the world's a better place for it, so uh, hopefully long may it continue. Yeah, I hope so. You know, anytime you replace a key member of a band, I mean, Rob was replaced in Judas Priest, I mean... I made and replaced the singer, ACDC. It works sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. You step in for KK, and the fans just took to you. I mean, I, I may, I'm sure you've probably heard some negative stuff over the years, but you've just won everybody over. And you, it could have went two ways. You could have been that guy that said, I made it, and nah, 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 or you could do it with class. And you did it with class, and I think it held up so well over all these decades, you know, the last decade. 
Well, I think you're right. There's bound to be some sort of negativity. It's a big change after 40 years. Uh, a lot of people have been there since the beginning, and that's a big change to take. But, you know, the fans have been fantastic. They, you know, they came down, uh, they bought their tickets, and they, they came down to see the band with a new guitar player. And, you know, not everyone was, was with me, and I don't think you can ever take that for granted. We still play new cities or new countries that haven't seen Priest before, either with me or, you know, with Ken, you know, so you've still got to give a thousand percent. You're representing a 50 year legacy, you're representing the band, and you're representing heavy metal. So you can never take your foot off the gas and take that for granted. So, it, as I said, it was an honor to be considered, and it's an honor to be there still. So, there you go. Yeah. I mean, Priest is a well oiled machine. I mean, you know, they've been doing it for 50 years. Is there still that excitement that comes with forming that new band? Granted, Elegant Weapons is being formed at a different level than you did maybe 25 years ago when you were kids starting the band, but. Is there still that excitement about a new record coming out, playing with new guys, hitting the road again, and doing it all like you know, like you were young again, doing it from the beginning? Of course, yeah. I mean, the first, we played the first show in Europe last month, um, and yeah, it was. I was nervous, you know. Uh, you know, you don't know how it's going to go down, and. Uh, what the reception is going to be like, but it comes from. I mean, even when we play, you know, you know, with Priest, we take a couple of years off, we do a record, then we go out and play live again. So we haven't played live for a couple of years, and you know, each time. So you always get a bit nervous. Um, how's it going to go? Am I going to remember those shapes? You know what I mean? Um, but it, it's from the dedication uh, uh, to be good. You, you want it to be good. You want it to be best it can be and that's where the nerves come from it's because you care so uh so yeah there's still parallels with you know the bands you used to be in when you're kids it's what drives you and it's, it's the pursuit of being good and being the best you can be and uh maybe it won't be and uh, that's that's what makes you nervous but if you get out there and give it a thousand percent you know you should do all right Absolutely. You know, the, like you were talking about, you know, you recorded a record four years ago, we were on a tour, we haven't played in a while. The whole life cycle of a band has changed dramatically since the 70s and 80s. You had bands like Kiss, they would literally put out two records a year, then tour two records a year in the early 80s, one record, tour for a year, a record tour for a year. Did that all change, you think, because of the business model where record companies didn't have the power that they did years ago? You have streaming now, downloading. Or were the bands just burnt out of, you know, repeating that cycle year after year? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, could bands produce enough material to produce two albums a year these days? I don't know. I mean, if, if there was a business model that supported that, maybe maybe they could. I don't know. Um, it's just the way that it is these days. And, again, fortunately with Priest, we're, we're lucky enough to be able to put out a record and then tour it uh, and then – you know, think about putting another record together and then touring it. We've been doing that since I joined the band, um, and there's still a, a demand for it. You know, we're still able to do that, and they're able to do that more than 50 years in. So, uh, but you're right, it is a lot different. Um, could we write two albums a year? Probably. Would they be as, as high quality as they are? Who knows? I mean, two albums a year is a high ask, but I reckon it's a good challenge. Maybe, maybe we should get back to that business model. You could do that with Elegant Weapons. I mean, I heard you have a lot of other songs written. So are there plans for another record immediately or something you want to hold on to? You know, do, I mean, how do you keep busy today? I mean, you have to be in multiple bands or contribute to multiple albums, like just to be active as a musician today? Well, there's always, I mean, you mentioned, you know, the second Weapons album. I mean, we've already started working on it. So there's, there's enough uh, ideas for that. Um, but I mean, in my 
situation. We, we, you know, we've been working on the priest record, and then we're working on the elegant weapons record. Um, so there's there's enough to get our teeth into, if you know what I mean. Uh, then there'll probably be some touring, and then we'll, there's always kind of you, you're banking as you go, so you're saving riffs and melodies um, and collecting and storing those musical ideas so that when you're finished touring you can go back in the studio and get those ideas down and start what might be the next record through the elegant weapons or judas priest whatever it might be so um and then as, as i said before fortunately there's enough interest hopefully uh where we can do another record potentially and, uh, and go from there so it's just you know having that outlet to get those ideas down and um and hopefully carry on doing it the new record, new material, would it be with Dave and, and Chris, or would it be back with Rex and, uh, and Scott again? Well, Rex and Scott are pretty pretty busy, you know, so it will be with uh, Dave and, uh, and Chris and Ronnie. Uh, as I said, we, we've got the drums down, and me, Davey, and Christopher got in the room, we played together and got the drums down, so we got that kind of uh, playing together vibe. I thought that was important. Uh, so it will be the guys that are in the band now moving forward, you know, we're the guys that have... You know, we've been out on the road, we've built that chemistry and hopefully kept that on the, on the next record as well. So that's what it will be moving forward, yeah. I, I think Hook It Up with Ronnie was so masterful for this record. Was that the plan from the beginning? Was he the guy you wanted to sing in Elegant Weapons? Well, originally, I mean, I, I, I wasn't... Um, I didn't have a proper singer originally, um, but when he came to mind, like I was looking for a singer um, not only was a singer uh but that could front the band that had the kind of grace um and the professionalism to front the band not only sing if that makes any sense um when he came into the conversation it was a no-brainer um you know i was talking to a friend of mine and he brought up ronnie romero and it was like a light bulb went off it was of course ronnie romero is perfect he's, he's the he's the same kind of style with the music you can hear what those influences are in his voice like the music but he's also a singer in 2023 uh he's a modern singer um but he lets those influences shine through and i thought that was important and uh, as i said he's not only a singer he's a great front man and someone that could carry the band um with the grace and the professionalism that the band needs so he was a no-brainer as soon as his, his name came up yeah, and you know, Andy Sneap, another one, made such a name for himself over the last couple of decades, you know, in the studio, never mind as a musician, and with Sabbath. I mean, you use Andy on this record also, Rucker Priest. He's also your co-guitar player on a lot of the live shows these days. What is it about Andy that he brings something to the table that really, you know, gets you going? Well, not to repeat my, say, not to repeat my the point about Ronnie uh, and the music, but Andy was the same kind of dynamic that I wanted in a producer, you know, and he comes from the same kind of background as I do musically. Uh, but he's also a producer in the modern age. He produces modern albums. So I wanted a modern album that stands up today, but I wanted those influences to shine through. And again, for fear of repeating myself, Andy was that guy, you know, he knows where I'm coming from. Um, he knows what those influences are and capturing those influences while making a record that stands up in 2023. Uh, again, it's a no-brainer for a producer. Absolutely. I mean, any plans on coming to the U.S. with the band? I mean, I know you just did your run over in Europe. It looked like it went great over there. I know that people here would love to see this in live, you know? We'd love to come over to the States, without a doubt. Yeah, we're looking for opportunities, any opportunities we can get, really, to either come over on our own or, you know, I'd love to come come over, you know, with a, with a bigger band, maybe support a bigger band, maybe steal some of their fans, you know, um, go out uh, wherever 
we can. So as soon as the opportunity presents itself, we'll jump on it and we'll let the world know and uh, hopefully see you guys soon. That would be great. I'm not going to keep you rich. I know you have these things going on all day long. I just got one question about Christopher Lee. I know you worked with him a while back. A real metalhead or somebody that just did it for the hell of it? No, I think he's. Uh, I think he was a real metalhead. I mean, from the life that he lived and the experiences that he had, and uh, the way that he handled life. I mean, he's, he embodied uh, the spirit of heavy metal. He was. He was a sweetheart, but he was a. He was a, a legend, you know, and uh, he'll, he'll be sorely missed. And he, it was great working with him and his people, and doing a, a metal album in your in your late eighties, early nineties is uh, probably the most heavy metal thing you can do. Absolutely. Richie, it was a pleasure talking to you today. Horns for Halo, out now, Nuclear Blast. Hopefully get to the U.S. I know there's going to be a new priest coming soon. The best luck with everything. I really appreciate everything you've been giving us over these years. Thank you, brother. Good to talk to you. Take care now. You too, Richie. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye. Bye.
You stand before this court accused of heresy and witchcraft. How do you plead? Not guilty! Not guilty! Not guilty! Not guilty! Not guilty! Not guilty! Not You know. 
Sabbath for those who died. We were talking about Andy Sneep, so I had to get on something by Sabbath. It's been a long time since we played them on the show. And before that, off of Firepower, Children of the Sun by Judas Priest. Richie really did bring a new, you know, vigor back to the band. What a great album that was. I put that up there with anything from the 80s that the band did. Hopefully the new record will be in the same mold. We'll see what happens. Alright, well, Kate's going to be calling in in about 15 minutes. Hopefully my voice will hold up between now and then. Uh, as you know, Ozzy uh, had to cancel the power trip. Uh, when there was announced that he was going to do it, I couldn't believe it because he hasn't done anything in a long time. I mean, he's had multiple operations. He has Parkinson's disease. He's in his mid-70s, so I thought it was pretty much done with the, the live shows. He did that uh, CGI concert, uh, whatever the hell it was, where it basically just took a live track, live tracks of him, and had something computer animated. But you know, even Tony Yomi said in an interview they were offered the, the gig get powered, but he says no, we can't do it because I don't think Ozzy can make it. I don't think he's in the condition to do it. Even he knew it, so he backed out. And who fills in? Judas Priest. Judas Priest should have been on that show to begin. When you think about it, it's nothing but A-list bands. You got Iron Maiden and, and Guns N' Roses the first night. You had ACDC and Ozzy the second night. Now it's ACDC and Judas Priest. Yeah, Metallica on the third night with Tool, which I don't get. I don't know how Tool wound up on that festival with that lineup. I have no idea. It should have been Judas Priest instead of Tool to begin with, and maybe the Scorpions. That would have been a great classic 80s you know, metal fest, in my opinion, of all like the A-list arena type of bands. But Priests are on there now, so it is what it is, right? That's all that matters. Okay, new music. It's Tail Gunner. Uh, not to be confused with the Tail Gunner that started at the same time from Finland. This is the one from the UK. And not to be confused with the Tail Gunner from the 80s who put out the self-titled record in 1983 from the USA. This is a band from the United Kingdom. Now, you think in this day and age you would just type in Tail Gunner into the internet to see if another band pops up with the same name, but a lot of groups just don't do that anymore. They just pick a name and they go with it. They don't care how many other groups have the same name. They just do it, but it's actually not a bad record. It's called Guns For Hire. Just came out. Uh, it's on Five Flesh Records. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Iron Maiden, you know, like mid-80s Iron Maiden. Let me know what you think. His Shadows of War. <laughs> Thank you. 
Saints Anger with Danger Metal. Man, I love that record. Picked it up at Tower Records back in day, Manhattan. And Iman's right, we used to switch the price tags. <laughs> we found the price going back then. We used to switch all the price tags around. Make everything a little bit cheaper for us. Really cheap. Uh, but those were the days. All right, you know what? Uh, Sarah Ungle is playing tonight in Manhattan. Uh, I would have liked to have been there for that show, but, uh, you know, hey, I'm here doing mine, so if you're there, enjoy yourself and have a great time. All right, uh, Kate should be calling in any minute now, so uh, how about we play something off of a record from one of our first bands called Tantrum? Uh, This is called Webs and Chains. I actually have this uh, the cassette of it. I don't know if it ever came out on vinyl or not back in the day, but what a great record. Those two guitar players absolutely shredded back then. 
Uh, I have to ask if it ever was re-released or if it ever came out again because it was a solid album. It wasn't long. Well, we're not going to keep talking about that. We'll save it for when K calls in, right? We'll wait a few minutes until then. Uh, I'm not sure what we have on the show next week. I was kind of keeping it low-key the last two weeks of the of the month of July. I think we have the guys from Mariah calling in. Heaven and Hell just re-released the debut record, which was never really released back in the day. Uh, but we'll have them on the show uh, next Sunday night. And then we're going to wrap up July with members of Nick Fury. It took me a long time to find these guys to get them on the show, so I'm excited about that interview. So that's how we're going to wrap up this month. August, we're going to kind of take it easy and just kind of stick to the music. Whatever guests pop up or pop into mind, we'll have on the show. But September will be our 15th anniversary show. I'm really looking forward to that month, and we'll see what we can dig up for our big anniversary show on the 10th. All right. Like I said, Seventh Uncle is playing tonight. I would have loved to have gone. I had tickets to it also. Uh, I just can't get there in time. But by the time the show is over, trying to drag my butt into Manhattan from Staten Island, that's a long ride, <laughs> especially today, the way things are with traffic and everything. But that's what it is. And I noticed that some of the festivals are starting to announce their lineups for 2024. So far, nobody's announced Wardlord as the band. And I, I swore earlier on in the summer that you know Wardlord was going to be in every single festival that comes out in 2024. They're going to pick up the mantle where Ride 5 have left off. And I saw there's like two festivals left this year to have Ride 5 on there. They're kind of low on the bill, uh, but they're still on there. And I don't get what the Book of Friends is with Ride 5 being nothing more than a cover band of Riot. The same thing with Carnivore AD. Joe Cangelosi is the band. I love Joe. Such a great guy. They're being booked on these tours over in Germany where they're playing like these big arenas. I mean, not arenas, like these big venues in Germany. Like, it's a carnival cover band with nobody from the original carnival playing with them. And they're over there touring Germany. How does this happen? How is it that a band like Attacker can't get a tour in Germany going, you know, who have all the original songs and other local bands like that? I just don't get it. It boggles my mind. And I know I talk about this all the time, but uh, I'm just flamudgeoned over it. <laughs> I can't quite figure it out. Uh, but they're out there doing it, and it happens more and more. We'll see. Uh, but I'm excited because my boy Steve Gaines from Anger Resort, you all know him from Abattoir back in the day, is the lead singer. They're going to have their new record out real soon. I'm not going to announce the name of it. I think Steve might have put it on Facebook already, but when it comes out, we'll have Steve back on the show. I think he's my longest tenured guest next to Chuck Billy and Doro. <laughs> We've had them on the show probably over two dozen times in the last 15 years, and I love talking to Steve. He's always a great guy and a fun guy to talk to. All right, I don't know, maybe we should play some Vainglory, uh, K. French's band with Corbin. Corbin's an amazing shredder, too. Great guitar player for that group. Uh, maybe I'll play something off the, the Vainglory. There's re-releases coming out of their last two records. Maybe I'll do that while we wait because I'm really hoarse and I just can't talk anymore. I'm trying to save it for the interview. Uh, so let's do, uh, I don't know, let's do Time of Reckoning. If uh, K. calls in, we'll stop the song and we'll replay it again after the interview. This is Mike. How are you? You're on the air live. Hi, Mike. I'm fine. How are you doing? Good. I'm I'm doing great. You have to forgive me. I'm going through puberty and my voice is cracking. So forgive. Uh, <laughs> no. I love it. I love it. You sound like the jerky boy. Uh, I know. I have a I have a really big summer cold and cough. So I'm I was trying to save my voice for this interview, but forgive me. <laughs> well, that's awesome. 
Uh, great. Well, listen, I have to tell you, I'm really happy that these two Vainglory records are going to get re-released because they've been really hard to find over the last few years, especially the last one that goes back to 2007, the self-titled record. Yeah, uh, I am thrilled. I'm so excited because, you know, to have the opportunity to have something that's a booklet and it's that awesome. We just got copies the other day and it is really spectacular. It's really nice. And uh, I just feel totally, completely blessed that they picked this up. So um, these new record companies are amazing. Um, Insanity and um, No Dust Records, both different labels from Europe and America. Uh, really nice people too, awesome people to work with. So we've been doing some PR with them, and uh, I'm just loving the fact that I'm revisiting metal, <laughs> which is great for me. Uh, and I'm happy I too. My metal. Uh, well, we're glad you're yeah. back, and it's a pleasure to have you back. You still get excited when a new record comes. I mean, I mean they're not new, but it's a new package of the record. You still get excited when you get a copy of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. It's, it's awesome. I mean, it's a history, you know, it's my history and it's, it's people are getting to revisit that. So that's a really cool thing for me. And, and it's something that I'll carry with me, you know, forever. So um, it's really cool to, to be able to get that and revisit it and, and uh, just all the memories of all the different, you know, members and, and things and, and years all packaged into one little package, which yeah. is very cool. That is nice. You know, yeah. right before you called in, I played uh, Web, and Lo- Web and Chains from Tantrum. And I still have my cassette of that from like 89 or 88 from back in the, oh <laughs> back in the day. And that was some great <laughs> stuff. I mean, I don't know what you thought of it back then oh or now, but God. that was, that was a great album. Well, you know that, uh, you know, I wasn't a, a gifted singer to start with. Some people are very gifted and they just start like this amazing thing and it happens right off the bat. But I was one of those vocalists that always had to, you know, really work on what I had. I mean, when I was young, I loved to sing, and I was in choirs and did all that, and I always loved to sing. But I was never, you know, I didn't jump into it being like Leather, you know, who was at Chastain as well. She seemed to have jumped into it just in this powerhouse. You know, but I had to work towards being a better vocalist, and I'm still doing that to this day, but from tantrum to what I am now, you know, is completely night and day. And that was the beginning of me really learning my chops and learning how to sing. So thank you for that. I actually have uh, some video of, of June and Tantrum uh, on one of the videos I did. I also do music videos and I put together uh, Coming Back for More, which is one of our singles. And they're in the start of that video. And it tells about, you know, how we just basically do music because we love music and not, you know, for anyone else. And I'm still doing that to this day. We really just, we're actually mixing a song tonight, uh, me and Corbin. Corbin is my husband and my guitar yeah. player from Bangor. And uh, we're mixing a, co- a song called Scream It. And I've been driving him crazy because we're, you know, <laughs> mixing it all day. And, oh, it drives me crazy. And I'm like, that's not enough bass. And that's not enough this. And, you know, we're, it's like having a kid. <laughs> having a song is like having a kid. So, uh it's bizarre, but thank you for a compliment on Tantra. Both those girls, uh, Lisa and June, are super, super gifted guitarists, and that's really the basis of that band, and that's been the basis of a lot of the bands that I've been in. I, I mean, predominantly all of them that have been anything that's you know had attention paid to it have been the guitarists. You know, I'm a guitarist singer, you know, 
You really are. And before you called it, I just said that I said June and Lisa were some shredders, then David Chastain and Corbin. I mean, too yeah. underrated in my opinion. I mean, the stuff he's done, especially his instrumental stuff. I mean, you really do have a knack for picking great guitar players to play with. Well, the thing is, is that I, I don't know. It's just that God has happened or the powers of be or source in it or whatever you want to say. I'm just, you know, that I'm in that place and in that time with June uh, she was in a guitar contest, and my first boyfriend that was a guitar player, which I never had any musician boyfriends, you know, but this guy was in this contest, and she beat out like 200 people. And uh, I went up to her, and I said, hey, we got to start a band. I was singing with him at the time, and uh, then he and I separated, and, and uh, she and I went uh, i went to my apartment and she and lisa came over and they were like yeah let's jam and so that's how that whole thing started and it's so funny that you have that album because i wrote this song in there called gunslinger and it was such a cringe fest holy shit <laughs> <laughs> so fucking bad. Uh, can i drop bombs here i don't know but yeah you bad. can sure okay cool so um yeah you know and that's funny because you look back through the years of things that you did and you're like oh my gosh ah! Yeah, you know, but when you look when you when you look when you look back at it now, you you could say that it feel that way. But when you were there in the moment, it didn't feel like that to you back then. Well, it, it kind of did. Oh, okay. I mean, you, know, it wasn't, <laughs> you you always you always kind of settle with things, you know, initially because you you need to finish them. I think that's one of the big differences between people and, that are successful and people that aren't successful, and that is just finishing. You know, a lot of times, you know, you have a closet and it's not a matter of success. I shouldn't say success. It's just a matter of putting material out and you're going to have good material and you're going to have cringeworthy, horrible, bad material. And I've had plenty of that, believe me. But, you know, I know that I need to complete things and I know that I need to have a catalog. And, and right now, you know, I have this ginormous catalog that I can go on Spotify and listen to. And, and the stuff from a long time ago, I don't know if you've ever heard of Machine Gun Kelly yeah. or any of the other bands that I was in or One one Bad Apple, which was Carl Albert's old band. Carl Albert was in Vicious Rumors. That's right. And, yeah, he initially started out in a Villain, and it was Villain's guitarist, Leon Smith. And they were some incredible incredible musicians um so that band was amazing there's different things too with different bands that have you know um like one band will be better at songwriting than the others are better at music or guitar solos or whatever but every band has its initial thing and and tantrum i think was you know the female double guitar solo front that was the highlight of that band and and i was very proud of them you know and i was very proud that they gave me the opportunity to um work with them and to go through that experience because it's really what started me and everything. And after that, going through the experience with Leon from Villain, you know, Carl's old guitarist, Carl Albert, uh, really, you know, he put me through the mill. I mean, they got me in the studio and they would like be staring me down and straight in the eye and no, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. No, do it again. No, that's wrong. You know, and so I grew from it. I hated their guts, but... <laughs> <laughs> But I grew, you know, I was mad at them a lot of time for, for doing what they did, but I realized that everything has growth. And every time you finish something, whether it's good or bad, it's growth. It's, that's so true. And when you think about like Tantrum, yeah. the Chastain, the Machine Gun Kelly, to being out with Vainglory for quite a long time now, 
you know, you're always like one-fourth or one-fifth of a band, and, you know, sometimes your voice has a say, sometimes it doesn't. But with Vainglory, yeah. you call it basically the nucleus of that, that band. So, I mean, I'm sure it's a, a lot more freedom musically that you can do what you want to do oh, because yeah. it's the two of you, and that has to be a good feeling also. Yeah, are you kidding me? If he doesn't do what I say, <laughs> <laughs> Well, besides being the singer, you're also his wife, so he's got to listen to you no matter what. That's right. Or guess what? No, but um, no, that's the truth. You know, that is true. Um, you know, it's a lot, but it is tough because, you know, you do have artistic differences and it is, I'm learning and I'm still learning to this day. It is patience. And like, like even with now, you know, and I'm still learning things and now I'm getting into learning the technical side of things like mixing, mastering, and doing all of my own instrumentation myself and doing everything, you know, technology age today. I, I wanted, that's my next goal, to do everything myself and to not uh, have anything that I can't do on my own. So, so I'm on that journey, and that's what I'm learning now is um, harmonic balancing and mixing and mastering and, and, and where everything fits in the, in the sound spectrum, which is something that's really interesting. And I'm also getting into doing, um, orchestrated stuff. My favorite guy, Kip Winger, who I absolutely love does, um, you know, orchestration and things like that. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to delve into that with the software that I have. I play keyboards and, uh, so it's just a really interesting journey and it is always, you know, patience you work with you know whoever um and and it's part of the learning thing too i've got to learn from him so i've got to be patient um with what he's saying and and we had yesterday we were mixing too and it was like you know i want him to get to where i want him to get the song now you know because he already had done it and he'd already had it mixed in this demo and then it's not happening the way but i thought last night i gotta pull the reins back and be patient and listen because this is a learning process. So everything in life, you know, everything you go through, good or bad, is a, is a learning process. And this has been a learning process to lead me to be an independent artist. So that's True. where I'm going. Yeah, you know, Colm yeah. is also, a, you know, a producer, an engineer. He has a lot of behind-the-board, you know, experience also. So when is, yeah. it hard, is, hard, is it hard to listen to somebody else tell you, you know, you know we got to change this, we have to tinker with that, we have to make this different, when you know as a singer how you want it to sound. So is it really a big give-and-take, or sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some? Uh, hell no. I mean, I... <laughs> I'm not a person to not be vocal. I'm not going to, you know, I'm someone that's going to be like, Bleh! I'm going to say exactly what I feel and throw it out there and then let the chips fall where they may, of course. Uh, but, you know, uh, ultimately in a relationship here, you know, we have everything mixed in. And so it's kind of, you got to kind of, you know, give and take, he's got to give and take. So uh, yeah, it does matter because it is me, you know, and it is him. And, and so we give and take on everything and, and we were just talking about that, and I'm like, uh, he's like, you know, we're going to do another Vainglory record, and you're going to do some classic, you know, Halford stuff. Because at the end of this song, there's this classic Halford, really high, high note that I do. Um, and uh, I'm like, well, you better call Rippers in on that, because I'm not doing that. And he's all, <laughs> oh, yes, you are. <laughs> so I said, okay, you're right, you know, I'll do whatever you want. And he's all, damn straight, you will. <laughs> So, you know, um, you know, it's give and take and, uh, but it, you know, it's always consideration for what's being done and, and what's been done. He's, he's done so much for me. So of course I'm going to do whatever I need to do for him. So I never really, 
uh, have anything that's lacking because I always say, hey, that, I'm not comfortable with that. And, um, you know, pounding the, the point home that, that I have to be happy as his wife. <laughs> with, uh, you know, with whatever, because if not, you know, well. <laughs> no, um, but that's part of it, you know. I mean, really, you know, you, you got to be happy ultimately in the end. And he's pretty good about that. And, you know, I want him to be the same. It's kind of a, you know, both-sided thing. And that's why we've been together for 20 years now. You know, it's like you compromise and you have patience and you know it's not always easy and you sometimes don't have and don't get what you want or you know but just give give and take and that's why we've been together for so long and uh so yeah it's you know it always is is what i want in the end ultimately i mean i might have some things that i i let go because i need to get the project done uh, but ultimately, and, and manifesting destiny was one of those things that was hard because we spent so much time on the in between, uh, in between, you know, working and trying to make a living and paying a mortgage and a lot of things that went on. So that was like a 10 year in the making album because of the fact that we had so many other things that we were doing. So there were some things there in the end that we weren't, you know, totally stoked about um and we wish we could have done different when i look back at that project as a whole i look back at and say wow that that was a very aggressive a lot of yelling you know in that particular one not a whole lot of melody but i think i was on the mission of trying to prove that i could do aggressive vocals because i don't i don't know why <laughs> I, I just wanted to prove that I could be and do the arch enemy if I had to. And there's, there's some of that on there, some of the, you know, that kind of a vocal placement. And there's some, you know, kind of operatic stuff. And it's such a mishmash of everything, but mostly it's me just yelling. I <laughs> <laughs> that. There was, like you said, there was like a 10 or 11 year gap between the Vainglory record and Manifest and Destiny. And, you know, right. life just life just happens. You know, we all, we all grow up, we get older, and things take precedence over certain things. But do you worry about a gap of that amount of time? Because, you know, back in the 80s, we all thought, you know, metal was never going to end. It was going to last forever. And then you turned around and, you know, Nirvana came out and everybody was gone. And I don't think it would ever happen again because I think we're in a place right now where everybody's just living and enjoying the music that we kind of grew up with. But do you worry about being such a long gap in between music? Because it feels like it's kind of starting over again. Um, you mean, is it going to go to like some grunge type of a deal or? No, not that. I mean, like, you, you know, know, when, when you, you put out the first record and 10 years ago, by people are like, well, you know, what happened to Vanglory? We're on there. They're putting out a new record. Is anything uh, going on? Do you worry about like such a long gap in between records where people say, what happened to the band? Well, yeah, sure. Of course. And that, that's a factor, you know, and, and that's why I said finishing stuff is so important. And we've learned that through that you know we lost a lot of fans and and things changed because that's what happens you know it fades away but in the end all you know being over 50 years old now i learned that you kind of have to do what you love and and just kind of do you know and finishing is really important i've got my cat scratching at the door right now so you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I want to find a new label before we do this album, the next one, so it lights the fire under our ass. Because I feel like, you know, if you don't have the fire lit under your ass to get something done that you never will, but we are doing other things. And in fact, the song that we're doing today is like a hip hop song. You know, it's like a hip hop metal combination. You know, Corbin's a producer, 
and he also has produced for Ritz. And I don't know if you know who Ritz is, but he's a rap guy. And there's another guy, his name is Tech Nine, and he did this song um, called Picture Perfect that was number one on the hip hop charts. Yeah, Tech and Nine. Corbin I know. wrote the song. Yeah. So Corbin wrote that song and um, Picture Perfect, and I love that rap on there. And I'm not a rap fan either, but he did such a great job. And he's a really good guy, but the song I'm doing today, the Scream It song, is, um, you know, a combination of different things other than just metal. So, you know, you may lose fans in anything that you do and any time that goes by, but ultimately, as a person, you have to stay true to yourself and what feels good for you. So it's really not about one, you know, thing or the other. It's just about doing what you feel, you know, what, what you feel. And um, Kip Winger is another thing that, taught, you know, a person that taught me that and that looking at his catalog over the years, you know, you just got to be true to yourself and do what you feel. And and I thought about that as I'm getting older and I thought, yeah, it, whether you win or lose or, you know, whether you have people or not have people, you just have to stay true to yourself. So I'm not really worried to answer your question and let's circle back. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I completely agree with what you're saying because, you know, if you try to yeah. do something like this in the 80s, it definitely wouldn't have flown. I think everybody's in a different place right now musically. You know, they've grown with their interests and different, I mean, you know, like, people like, oh, Metallica's not the same anymore. They're not like, you know, the massive puppets Metallica. They're a whole different band yeah. right now, but when there are 50 million people watching them perform live somewhere, I don't think they care yeah. that they lost those five fans from back in 1984 that no, love Kill Them All. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you got to do what you want to do. And if people like what you do, that's great. If they don't, that's fine, too. And especially for me and for Corbin, you know, we're not, we're kind of the almost famous crowd where you just kind of, you know, <laughs> we got a little tiny, we got a little tiny peak. <laughs> and so, you know, being that being said, and hopefully we can get, you know, songs that are people perform and, and we can get, you know, bigger in that maybe behind the scenes and just make some cash at that and that's kind of what we're trying to do right now um more so um but yeah so you know i don't i don't really do things for anybody else but for myself i'm going to do my art and there's another thing a factor that plays into that as well is and that it's your legacy you know what do you want your grandkids to hear what do you want them to you know what what is what are you feeling i mean it's it's a therapy as well writing a song you know, whether you're playing an instrument, sitting down on the piano, playing something, playing guitar or singing is complete and total therapy. It's such a great thing to get that out, you know, that emotion. So it, it just is what it is. And if people appreciate you for what you do, then that's that's great. But I'm not afraid of any changes or anything or losing fans now. That's great to know. And, yeah, you know, when yeah. you, think, you think about Chastain, you know, you joined the band in the 90s. The music scene has already changed at that point in time. Uh, you know, three great records in my opinion. You know, and Leather's a good friend of mine. He's on the show, and I always like throw a little dig at her, like and how you replaced her and you took over her role and stuff like that, just to get under her skin a little bit. But those yeah, are some, yeah. those those are some good records. But it was also a difficult time for heavy metal to begin with. So what was it like being with Chad Stane, saying, "Hey, you know what? I got this opportunity now, and and you know, in a kind of a name band. People know who he is and who we are. But like, you know, the scene is changing around me." Uh, you mean what was it like when I got into Chastain? Yeah, because anytime you have to replace the singer of a band, you know, there's always oh, that getting over yeah, the hump, and yeah, then yeah. you're also playing at a I different guess. time musically. It's in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, so um, answering that question, I didn't hear what you said, so I wanted to go I'm back. I'm sorry, yeah. my voice is starting um, to go. I'm trying to hold on. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so 
when I got in, I never thought of myself as replacing her. I, it was like, you know, it, I think the toughest thing was that um, people thought that I was trying to take over her spot and Leather had just left David and, and he didn't even hear from her at all. And nobody really heard from her for years and years and years for a long time, for at least 10 to 15 years. In fact, it was my ex-husband that brought her back into the scene, which is such a funny thing. Larry Howe from Vicious Rumors, yeah, he went to he went to get her and brought her back to do something that to keep it true, uh, metal festival, and she got back into it. And I, uh, Leather, was my first singer love. I mean, I was in love with her voice. Uh, when I was 18 years old, I had a guitar friend who was this virtuoso guy. He was a wannabe Ingve guy. He used to put the cigarette in the headstock and he'd, you know, lick his fingers and do the build. You know, he was such a funny guy. And uh, he brought home a Chastain uh, record. And he's like, check this out, check this out. And he put it on. And I was like, that is fucking amazing. And he's like, that's a chick. And I'm like, what? And at that time, you know, it's like, that's what I want to do is I want to sing heavier because I've kind of always been a more aggressive singer anyway and, and louder. And, and uh, you know, so she was a huge influence. So me replacing her or, you know, filling in her spot, you know, till she came back, I, I never replaced her. And, and I think people had that uh, perception that I was someone that was trying to replace her. But I was it's another growth, you know, thing that I went through. And when I was offered that opportunity, it was some big ass shoes to fill. Holy shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, for me, I was like, how the fuck am I going to do this? You know, especially when we went on tour and then I had to sing her songs and, and listening to her voice and thinking, man, this is, she's amazing. How am I going to do this? But I pulled it off and I grew from it, you know, and um, initially with the first album that we had, it was called Six Society. And, uh, you know, I flew out to Atlanta with David and I stayed with him for 10 days. And he was a complete gentleman, by the way. David has always just been a good friend. And I thought, man, I'm going to fly out here and this guy's going to make a move or something's going to happen. And I'm going to be like, get no way, you know, or whatever. Very professional man um, ever. I mean, he is no wonder he's been so successful with Leviathan Records because he's super professional. And so I stayed there, and we wrote songs for society for 10 days, and um, then he signed me, and he said, yeah, I like what you do. And um, so, you know, doing everything that I did with Chastain was another, you know, another growth spurt, and I never replaced Leather, uh, and I've always honored her in every interview that I ever did with her, which was really fucking hard, you know, which was really <laughs> hard. Because every, I mean, when you're doing interviews to promote an album, like you fly to Germany and you're doing interviews from, you know, seven in the morning till eight at night all day, and they're asking you every single interview, leather, 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 leather. And it's like, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but <laughs> no, uh, but when they're asking you that, you know, and I was so optimistic and so, you know, honest and true about her. And I didn't say anything like, no, she dumped, left, you know, David and she's just gone. She's history. And I would keep it positive. And, but, you know, 10 years of doing that and you, you know, you're like, oh. Okay, so towards the end, you start to get like, oh, you know, but she's back now. She got back in Chastain. She did the Keep It True Fest, and she's doing amazing. Actually, she's with a good friend of mine now, Vinny Tex, yeah. who is who is the, the kindest, nicest guy 
who is such a great guy. He is such a great person. Uh, and um, he does some amazing work for her. And, uh, you know, and, you know, I haven't really ever even met her yet. We haven't talked on the phone. We haven't done anything like that. And it's been years of that. And there's always been this kind of weirdness. And I don't think it's, you know, it's like on her end or I don't know what it is, but we just haven't met yet. We haven't got to the point of where we're, you know, where we can hang out or anything. And I wish we would because I, I always like worship the ground she walked on. I still do. You know, I'll still be like, oh, my gosh, Leather's album, I'm going to pre-order, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and, I, and I always did that. So I never had any hard feelings or anything, or and I never felt like I replaced her. But I did feel like that was another thing that I really, really grew from. And, and from that to this band, you know, it gave me an opportunity to be my own metal person. You know, I, I adopted a little bit of her sound and a little bit of her style through what I had to listen to. And Carl, too, from you know, singing his songs and villains. I had to sing his songs. I had to sing her songs. And, and, uh, I was always a metal fan anyway with, I loved vicious rumors and I'd pop those tapes in and listen to them and listen and sing to them and sing to them. And like I said, from tantrum to now tantrum was my first band, um, which I got together, by the way, I got all the musicians around those guitarists all my guy friends were teachers, music teachers. So I would, you know, I was a business person. I, I worked at a title company at that time. So I would go to the teachers and say, Hey, you know, the good girl drummer and the great, you know, girl bass player. And we got the band together that way. So from tantrum to now, I think I've grown significantly. So, um, and I'm, I'm talking a lot so that you don't have to. <laughs> no, no, I, I love it. I mean, Sorry. I'm just thinking of what is, uh, you know, as big as this world is, it's so small when you think about text with leather, leather with Larry, you with Larry. I mean, everybody's sort of connected in some sort of way. And yeah. even David Chastain was kind of there in the beginning of Vainglory. I think he produced the first, I know you weren't on it, the 2050 record. Yeah. So I don't consider yeah. that even to be a Vainglory record because you're not a part of it. But that did come out yeah, at one time. And, and, and David was a yes, part of that. Yeah. Yeah, well, here, here's the thing is that before Vainglory, you know, had me, I was, you know, we were on, we were label mates because Corbin was signed on to Leviathan Records, and so was Gus T. And they were in, you know, Firewinds is, you know, I don't know if he's still doing anything with David. I know he's got releases that he does from a long time ago, but we were related through, you know, the Leviathan Records brand. And uh, so we were kind of, you know, doing stuff, uh, on different things, but with Leviathan and promotions for Leviathan. And I think I got a 2050 CD when I was doing the Chastain thing. I think it was with In an Outrage. I can't remember which one it was, or I don't know, but I had kind of heard about it through the grapevine, never really knew. Um, but uh, David is how I met Corbin. Okay, there and you David go. Actually, yeah, yeah, and David actually um was the one that helped Corbin pick out the Vainglory name uh David had a bunch of names and um uh, Corbin picked that one uh so uh yeah David is how I met Corbin he said you want to audition for this band and I was like oh, I don't know he's like it's a guitar guy and I'll check it out and I kind of shelved it and I was like and then I started listening to it a little I was like this is really good and the funny thing is that um Corbin had a, a girlfriend he'd been together with for five years, and I had my ex-husband, who I was separated from at that time, and we were just on the rocks. And then Corbin and I just started talking because I had to demo his stuff to audition for him, and I had this new machine, which is called a 2480, 
and it's a Roland thing, and he had one as well, so I had to know the tech specs and different things. And through that, we started developing a friendship, and then it kind of turned into something else, which was really strange. And and then we ended up meeting and and getting together, and it's just been, it's just it's trippy how it is all related, and it is all around. You know, we've got this big group of people, and I could expand it out to even more people than that. You know, it, uh, it's like the what is it, six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. So, uh, yeah, but I, I feel fortunate to, to know all these people. They're very talented and, and to have grown and uh, and learned from them. And this is what I wanted. You know, I prayed. I was like, please, you know, give me, let me get signed once, God. <laughs> you know, let me, you know, just, just one record. And then you can kill me. And then I was like, oh, just two records. Just two. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a really fun thing. And, and uh, music has always been in my in my heart when I was a kid, you know, I, I dance, I did ballet and stuff. And then, oh, then it went from dancing to doing, you know, the, the band and fourth grade and choir. And then I was in, you know, marching and marching band and all these things that I know, you know, I, I played the baritone horn in wow. high school and, the, and the trombone bass clef instrument. So, um, you know, I knew time signature and I knew how to read music and everything like that. So music has always been part of who I am. In fact, I used to compose on the baritone horn. I'd bring my horn home and, and staff out the notes, you know, that I was going to make a song of my own. And I, it's just, you know, I've always loved music. And uh, so I'm just proud to have, um, you know, done what I've done. And, um, and now to have the ability to write songs on my own, which is ultimately you know, what I wanted is to have the freedom to create these art pieces on my own. And it is, it's like a painting, you know, you're creating these things on your own. And now I'm about to work on a new song and I've done a few songs on my own now with nothing and nobody helping, just me doing everything. And I'm working on the song called uh, Technicolor Blue, which is this beautiful like strings and, and my voice. And it's just kind of a look at life and, um, and, and being able to really describe the time, it's like a time capsule, too. You know, like this song is just about everything that's going on in the world and, and that you really have to, this Scream It song that I'm working on, you know, you really have to voice what you feel now because if you don't, if you don't have a voice, then you're not going to have a choice, you know. Sure. If you don't say something, then, then you're not going to have a choice of saying anything. So you might you may as well scream it. Technicolor Blue is just about... You know, how it felt as kids when we were young and, um, you know, like a photograph. It, it was a different time, you know, and having a, a child or not a child anymore. My son's 25 now. But realizing with the kids these days and, and people can't, you know, you can't go out like you did when you were a kid. Impossible, you know, you can't, I know. No, yeah, no. And, and with everything that's going on right now, too, and everything that's being brought to light. You know, and that's kind of what that song is not going to be about any of that, but it'll just be kind of a reminiscent thing of of how it was when, you know, in the 70s and when we were young. So, um, yeah. The, it's a whole, it's a whole different writing. world we're living in today, it, it, and, but it gives you a lot of writing material, so I guess something good came out of it in a way because you've got plenty to write about. Yeah. And writing new material, yeah, I mean, it, 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 is there plans for a whole new Vainglory record? Well, you know, if there is, it's up to, it's Vainglory, I'll leave up to Corbin, obviously. He's, he, and he's, 
you know, we co-write on that usually. So it's kind of up to him what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. That's his thing. And I just come, I'm a slave to that, you know, whatever he wants to do. So he's, uh, he's talking about things. I, I really think, like I said, getting a record label first and then having them say, okay, write this kind of music and then lighting a fire under our asses to get something done would be the best case scenario. Um, so I don't know, but we've written some songs uh, for Vainglory um, that have been released as singles over the last few years. Uh, so we might conglomerate a few of those and then move forward with that. But I think he wants to stay with real, real traditional metal. You know, the traditional, like I said, the Ripper Owens, the, yeah. the Rob Halford, that kind of thing. So what do you think? Should we should we do the traditional metal and kind of keep it what we've been doing, or should we uh, go off and do something different? Or I think sticking with that for that band might be a good idea because I do think we have kind of a fan base for that. Absolutely. I would like to see Vainglory, you know, continue doing what Vainglory's been doing. And you could, because, you know, the two of you together, you have the opportunity to write any kind of music you want under any banner you want. So yeah. you can always get the best of both worlds with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think sticking with the traditional metal like he wants is probably the direction we'll be going in if we do do that. But I, like I said, I have the different things that I do. I'm just going to do the Kate French thing, which will be a conglomeration of, you know, the hip hop metal combo, which I, I love that. And then doing, you know, the, the ballad and then doing the pop stuff. And, and I've just got such an eclectic mix of things. I'm even, I've been doing country music. There's a gentleman that, that is a, um, he writes books and he hired us out to do um, 11 country songs for him. And he paid us a lot to do it, which was, kind of a blessing because it's what started this as far as we had to have a song a week done and it was country it's so funny i had to kind of get on my country you know that kind of (laughs) (laughs) that kind of swing but you know it makes you kind of you know open up your ideas to things and rather than being closed off to one thing and when you're getting paid for something boy you better freaking do what they want you to because they're paying you you absolutely yeah and so, yeah, so um, that was something that I did that uh, was was different. But you know, my love is with metal, and I always end up going back to it. So I would imagine we'll be doing something, but uh, sticking with the traditional thing. Well, I'm glad for that. And Kate, I'm going to let you go because I want to play some music. We're going to wrap up tonight's show. It was such a pleasure to talk <laughs> with you. And when you get those new songs, I'm dying to hear them, and I'll be playing them on the show. I don't care if it's country, rap, rap, whatever it is. I'll put it on here. Aww. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Kate. Have a great night. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Okay, thanks. Bye. All right, Kate French, let's get back to Vainglory. We were playing it before the interview.
vainglory, time of reckoning. I want to thank Kay French for being on tonight's show. Richie Faulkner from Judas Priest. I'm sorry the interview wasn't that long. It was only about 20 minutes because he's doing them back-to-back today, yet I was in the middle, and he called in 15 minutes late. Plus, he didn't call into the station. He called onto my cell phone, and I didn't hear it ringing that whole time because I had the headphones on. So uh, that's why it didn't sound as good as uh, they normally do. But nothing sounds good that I do, right? So it doesn't really matter. All right, thank you, everybody, for being here with me tonight. I do appreciate it. Hopefully, my voice will be back by next week. Not that it matters. It's not good even when it's great, even when it is good. But next week, Jerry Magalene from Mariah. Uh, Heaven Hell just re-released their earlier material. Uh, I believe they're having a 20% off sale that ends tonight, so if you're looking to get anything by Heaven and Hell, go over to the website today and buy it. Get a nice little discount on there. Alright, uh, since we uh, you know, had Kate on, how about wrapping up another female vocalist? Even though I never considered female vocalists metal bands like that, to me it's just metal. I don't care who's singing. Male, female, never matter to me. But here you go. Sentinel Beast, Evil is the Night, Debbie Gunn on vocals. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. I'll see you next Sunday.
guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.